Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Happy Rosh Hashanah, Happy New Year to my Jewish friends and other friends who may be celebrating it. And um, those of you who are pro-life, just as the Biden administration is threatening parents, Threatening parents who go to school board meetings, pictures can be taken of you, recordings can be made of you, Uh, notes can be taken of what you say, and then they can report you on the domestic terrorist hotline, because Merrick Garland, Joe Biden's attorney general at the Department of Injustice, has not withdrawn his memorandum. You can have the FBI contacting you. And so we have in the Biden administration a Stasi-like effort to threaten people, to threaten people, to intimidate people. And that's what's going on in this country now. That's what's going on with the protesters on January 6th. I'm not talking about those who broke into the Capitol building forcibly or harmed somebody. I'm talking about those who paraded and trespassed, quote-unquote, of those who went into the Capitol building were waved in by police, many of whom walked in weren't waved in by police but did no violence whatsoever. They're doing two months, three months in federal prison. Now, we all know that's a crock of you-know-what. And then, of course, the war on the former president, as there was a war on the then-president, as there was a war on the then-presidential candidate, Donald Trump, We've never seen anything like this in American history. And it's not because Donald Trump is corrupt or Donald Trump is uh, operating in ways that are very troublesome for our national security. You must ignore 
Bill Barr, you must ignore the former federal prosecutors, you must ignore all of them. Because they're blind. We've had former presidents who've done some nasty, nasty things. Nasty things. But the Justice Department wouldn't have given a second thought. Not a second thought to doing to them what they've done to Donald Trump, who hasn't done any nasty things at all. And I would ask Bill Barr right on this program, right now. He's listening. He can call in. Did you ever take classified information home? And even bring it back the next day. Did you ever read classified information in the vehicle in which your driver was taking you to one place or another? If so, you violated federal law. You committed a felony, and I'd like to know if you ever did that. Just curious. Are any of you former federal prosecutors? Just curious. Are the current Attorney General, Meritless Garland, But you hear more and more about the use of SWAT teams, either FBI SWAT teams or SWAT teams operating on behalf of the FBI. Who's ever seen SWAT teams used against former administration officials, as they were, against Paul Manafort? Or political operatives like Roger Stone? Why would you use SWAT teams? Or SWAT teams against electricians or plumbers or vets who didn't commit acts of violence on January 6th. And now we have a SWAT team that was used against a Catholic pro-life speaker. And this has been in some news platforms. Town Hall has it. Sarah Arnold, a Catholic pro-life speaker was raided by the FBI for an alleged face act violation while his seven kids watched in terror. According to the warrant, Mark Halk was charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, the FACE Act, due to a claimed, quote, attack of a patient escort, unquote. The case, which was previously thrown out, thrown out of the district court in Philadelphia, was mysteriously picked up by woke Attorney General Merrick Garland. That means his civil rights and criminal divisions are behind this, ladies and gentlemen. His wife, Ryan Marie, told LifeSite News that a SWAT team of about 25 to 30 FBI agents in 15 vehicles swarmed their house at 7 in the morning, surrounding the property with armed rifles. They started pounding on the door and yelling for us to open it, Halk's wife said, adding that her husband was trying to calm down their children before opening the door. They have seven children. Seven little kids. Please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house. But they just kept pounding and screaming. Ryan Marie explained, adding, they had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark, her husband and pointed at me, and kind of pointed throughout the house. When asked to see the warrant, the FBI told the family that they were going to take Halk away, whether they had a warrant or not. But when Ryan Marie accused the federal agents of kidnapping her husband without a warrant, they agreed to show it to them. You can't just come to a person's house and kidnap gunpoint 
she said before being handed the document. The 48-year-old Mark is being accused of assaulting a man twice. It was a volunteer reproductive health clinic escort. His wife said that a pro-abortion activist would tell her 12-year-old son that you're a dad's fag and other crude and inappropriate things when Halk would take him to sidewalk council. When her husband confronted the man who kept going in his personal space and saying these things to her son, Halk shoved the protester away from his son, making him fall backwards. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue Mark, she said, which such haste just got thrown out. So a federal court threw out the case. And the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., took it up as a criminal matter. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue Mark, she said, which such case just got thrown out. If convicted, Halk faces up to 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and fines of up to $350,000. The FBI and the Department of Justice are being characterized as a political as political weaponization of federal agencies, and they reportedly stormed the homes of pro-lifers, Trump supporters, and conservatives. So here you have a guy who's not provoking anything. He's not intimidating anybody. He's exercising his First Amendment right in front of this clinic. And a guy, they confront him two separate occasions, is saying these outrageous things to his son and to him and then gets in his face. So Mark Halk pushes him away. The guy falls down. And now the Federal Department of Justice and the FBI are involved and they send a SWAT team to arrest him. A SWAT team to arrest him. Now, his lawyer has come out and said there was no need to send a SWAT team to arrest him. We had already volunteered. We had already volunteered to bring him in. This is the FBI under Christopher Ray who has to go. He is a complete schmuck. He is a disaster. He needs to be fired should we take over the White House one day. I don't give a damn what his tenure is statutorily. He needs to be fired because he is what he is. And that place needs to be cleaned out. It needs to be fumigated. There's way too many left-wing cockroaches there. Too many. Lawyer for pro-life protester, National Review, arrested by FBI, says client offered to surrender. Claims DOJ trying to imitate, intimidate people of faith. The lawyer representing him said his client is innocent, accused the Department of Justice of targeting him solely to intimidate people of faith and pro-life Americans. Rather than accepting Mark Houck's offer to appear voluntarily, the Biden Department of Justice chose to make an unnecessary show of potentially deadly force sending 20 or so heavily armed federal agents to his residence at dawn this past Friday, said the attorney representing Thomas Moore Society Vice President, Senior Counsel Peter Breen. That's a great group. 
in threatening form after nearly breaking down the family's door, at least five agents pointing guns at his head and arrested him in front of his wife and seven young children who were terrified that their husband and father would be shot dead before their eyes. A spokesman for the FBI Philadelphia field office told Fox News that no SWAT operators were used in Halk's arrest and denied that agents pointed their guns at Halker's family members, though he conceded that their weapons were drawn when they knocked on Halk's door. That's BS. I'm so sick of this. He was arrested in front of his screaming children for alleged violations of the FACE Act, preventing the interference with anyone trying to access an abortion clinic. Access a abortion clinic? I would argue, my wife mentioned this to me, that this FACE Act probably doesn't even apply. You're talking about a volunteer who's escorting women to this abortion clinic. Apparently it was the volunteer who was provocative on at least two occasions. The volunteer is a guy. Is he getting an abortion? So there is at least some question in my view, certainly, whether this federal law even applies. The Department of Justice issued a press release that D.L., that's how they identified him, was a volunteer escort at the Reproductive Health Care Clinic. Now, that doesn't sound like somebody who's covered by the FACE Act, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Hawley wants to get to the bottom of it. Good for him. He sent a letter to the Attorney General, gave him 10 days to reply. Good luck with that. And uh, how many charges has your department brought against pro-abortion extremists who have attacked pregnancy resource centers, churches, and pro-life Americans? Asked Hawley. The answer is zero. Zero. The graffiti, the firebombing, the attacking, zero. It's like how many... How many federal cases of hate crimes have been brought against the people who've been attacking Orthodox and Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn? One. One. How many cases have been brought against radicals who've been protesting at the homes and, and uh, vacation locations of Supreme Court justices? None. Not one. And how many cases have been brought against January 6th protesters? Over 900. How many cases were brought against former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for destroying over 30,000 emails? Sounds like 30,000 cases of obstruction to me. None. How many cases were brought about her having classified information in her home? None. She's not even a former president. There's no question that she's not protected. None. And don't you love it when all these legal analysts on TV, these former this, that, and nobodies, or clowns like Dan Abrams with his idiot sight mediaite, and then he is with that squirrel glued to his head on these various shows on A&E, I think it is. I really think Donald Trump's going to get indicted now. Why do we care what you think? They all want him to be indicted, so they all think he'll be indicted because they all know that the bigger the media pressure, the bigger the pressure on Garland. 
sick. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. I want you folks to keep something in mind. The only people objecting to these tactics are conservatives. The media could care less. The vast majority of the media, the usual corrupt media, they don't care, they don't report it, means nothing to them. Nothing. The Democrat Party stands firmly behind them, behind Biden, Garland, these various U.S. attorneys, no problem. The former federal prosecutors, even prior Republican administrations, no problem. No problem. We have a rash of brutality and Stasi-like tactics taking place across this country. Across this country. That nobody's out there to defend us. In public. You don't hear Mitch McConnell talk about this. You don't hear John Thune talk about it. You don't hear John Cornyn talk about it. You don't hear this guy, John Brasso. Is everybody named John, by the way? You don't hear anybody talk about it. If you put on MSNBC and you put on CNN, they either say nothing or they support it. It's really shocking. These, these grotesque acts, police state actions, against innocent men and women. I'll be back. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today 
at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Conservatism with passion. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Now let's go through a little bit of history, America, that the media will not discuss, that the phony former this and that will not discuss, but I will, involving each of the recent presidents. This is from Just the News. Old case over audio tapes in Bill Clinton's sock drawer could impact Mar-a-Lago search dispute. This is from August 17th. When it comes to the National Archives, history is a funny way of repeating itself. And legal experts say a decade-old case over audio tapes that Bill Clinton once kept in his sock drawer may have significant impact over the FBI search of Melania Trump's closet in Donald Trump's personal office. The case in question is titled Judicial Watch versus National Archives and Records Administration, and it involved an effort by the conservative watchdog to compel the archives to forcibly seize hours of audio recordings that Clinton made during his presidency with historian Taylor Branch. For pop culture, the case is most memorable for the revelation that the 42nd president for a time stored the audio tapes in his sock drawer at the White House. The tapes became the focal point of a 2009 book that Branch wrote. U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson, she's a hardcore Obama leftist. The worst. Did I say the worst? The worst ultimately rejected Judicial Watch's suit by concluding there was no provision, no provision in the Presidential Records Act to force the National Archives to seize records from a former president. But Jackson's ruling, along with the Justice Department's argument that preceded it, made some other sweeping declarations that are more direct relevance to the FBI's decision to seize handwritten notes and files Trump took with him to Mar-a-Lago. The most relevant is that a president's discretion on what are personal versus official records is far-reaching and solely his, as is his ability to declassify or destroy records at will. Quote, the judge wrote in March 2012, under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in his sole discretion. Hello! And it was never appealed. Since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal of presidential records during his time in office, it would be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considers to be his personal records. She said, the judge. She also noted a president could destroy any record he wanted during his tenure, his only responsibility was to inform the archives. As to whether the records a president concluded were personal can be forcibly seized after he leaves office, the court concluded it was unreasonable to force NARA to go get the tapes. Quote, because the audio tapes are not physically in the government's possession, defendant submits that it would be required to seize them directly from President Clinton in order to assume custody and control over them. The judge said defendant considers this to be an extraordinary request that is unfounded, contrary to the 
Presidential Records Act expressed terms and contrary to the traditional principles of administrative law. The court agrees. The defendant was the same Justice Department that authorized the raid on Trump's estate, Mr. Producer. Did you know that? Now, what about George W. Bush? This is from September 2016. Newsweek, and we know Newsweek always tells the truth. George W. Bush's White House lost 22 million emails by Nina Burley. I hope my friend uh, Rove is listening. For 18 months, Republican strategists, political pundits, reporters, and Americans who follow them have been pursuing Hillary Clinton's personal email habits, and no evidence of a crime has been found. But now they at least have the skills and interest to focus on a much larger and deeper email conspiracy, one involving war, lies, and private server run by the Republican Party and contempt of Congress citations, all of it still unresolved and unpunished. Written by Nina Burley. Clinton's email habits look positively transparent, she writes, when compared with the subpoena-dodging, email-hiding, private-server-using George W. Bush administration. Between 2003 and 2009, the Bush White House, quote, lost 22 million emails. This correspondence included millions of emails written during the darkest period in America's recent history. When the Bush administration was ginning up support, Remember, she's a leftist for what turned out to be a disastrous war in Iraq with false claims that the country possessed weapons of mass destruction. Like Clinton, the Bush White House used a private email server. It was owned by the Republican National Committee and the Bush administration failed to store its emails as required by law and then refused to comply with a congressional subpoena seeking some of those emails. Uh, Let's see here. Most troubling Researchers found a a suspicious pattern in the White House email system blackouts, including periods when there were no emails available from the office of Vice President Dick Cheney. Hello? At the Vice President's office, wildly characterized as the most powerful vice president in history, should have no archived emails, none, in its account for scores of days especially days when they were its discussion of whether to invade Iraq, beggared the imagination, says Thomas Blanton, director of the Washington-based National Security Archives, not to be confused with the agency. The media paid some attention to the Bush email chicanery, but spent considerably less ink and airtime than has been devoted to Clinton's digital communications in the past 18 months. According to the Boston social media analytics firm Crimson Hexagon, we're trying to study for Newsweek, there have been 560,000 articles mentioning Clinton's emails between March and September. Really, there should have been 10 million. But what do you think? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so when you see all these bushy Republicans running on TV, yeah, indict him, yeah. That's right. I'm a former, you know, whatever, nose picker in the Department of Antitrust. Oh, yes. My goodness, Mr. Producer, what do you think of that? Want to hear another one? Obama, who never had a scandal. Remember him? HistoryCoalition.org. On December 14, 
This goes back to 2009. The National Security Archive and Citizens for Responsibility in Ethics in Washington. This is a left-wing group. Reached a settlement with the Obama administration of their long-running lawsuits challenging the failure of the Bush administration and the National Archives and Record Administration, the archives, to take any action if they're confronted with evidence that millions of emails had gone missing from the Bush White House servers over a two-and-a-half-year period, an estimated 22 million. Wow. In April 2007, Crew released a report based on information from two confidential sources detailing loss of more than 5 million White House emails generated between March 2003 and October 2005. The archive originally filed its case September 2007, seeking the recovery. We just talked about that. A subsequent lawsuit was filed by this group. Now, under the terms of the settlement, the Obama administration agreed that the executive office of the president will restore a total of 94 days of missing emails, which will then be sent to the archives for preservation and eventual access under either the Presidential Records Act or Federal Records Act. Wow. To date, the Obama administration has produced thousands of pages of documents relating to these issues. Finally, we'll be providing a publicly releasable description of them. Isn't that amazing, Mr. Producer? How come George Bush's home wasn't subjected to activity after he left? Well, Mark, this occurred while he was president. Well, we don't know anything. We don't know when it, and here's one more. May I? Many of you may have been actually doing something else over the weekend, so you may have missed this. September 22, the first day of fall. Letters reveal Obama Foundation is keeping classified documents in an abandoned furniture warehouse. The Obama Foundation stored classified documents in an abandoned furniture warehouse according to a 2018 letter from the Obama Foundation to the archives. The letter, available on the Obama Foundation website, dated September 11, 2018, reveals that the Obama Foundation not only acknowledged possessing classified documents, but also admitted that they kept them in a facility that did not meet the archive standards for the storage of those documents. Wow! And were the warrants served? No. Did the FBI show up? No. Was Bill Barr uh, commenting on this? No. Here's what it says in part. The letter. The letter. The Obama Foundation agrees to transfer up to 3300000 That's dollars to the National Archives Trust, that's the archives, to support the move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from Hoffman Estates to archives-controlled facilities that conform to the agency's archival storage standards for such records and artifacts. This is written by Matt Margolis, one of the best. So media reports confirm that the Obama Foundation had rented space from Hoffman Estates to store these documents and extended their original lease for four years, four more years, rather, back in August. Well, no firm date has been announced for the completion and opening of the Barack Obama Presidential Library near the University of Chicago. 
Its future contents will stay in the Hoffman Estates for four more years, the Daily Herald reported. Village board members unanimously approved an extension to the special use permit that enables landlord Hoffman Estates Medical Development to lease the 74,200-square-foot former Plunkett Furniture Store to the National Archives through December 31, 2016. Well, the Plunkett Furniture Store, subsequently the Hoffman Estates Medical Development Building, and now remains the Hoffman Estates Medical Development Building with classified information. That's 74,200 square feet. This means that as the debate over the supposedly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago is unfolding, right now, the Obama Foundation is at this very moment storing classified documents in unused retail space in the suburbs of Chicago. While the storage of these documents appears to be with the full knowledge and coordination of the archives, still raises significant questions, not just concerning the raid at Mar-a-Lago, but also surrounding the legal actions being taken by Biden administration against Trump over the storage of his documents. Now, Mar-a-Lago is a Secret Service protected building. Secret Service is armed. You can't get through that front gate. I've gone to Mar-a-Lago. There's a man standing there with a rifle. When you get into the interior Mar-a-Lago, there are other men or women who are armed as well. Seems to me that that's a much better storage facility than the former furniture warehouse that the archives agreed to. This whole thing is BS. The whole damn thing is crap. And this barely touches the surface. How many attorneys general have abused this authority? Huh? How many secretaries of state? How many of them? I'll bet all of them. I'll bet all of them. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden's popularity number is as uh, high as his IQ now. It's 39%. Now, where his IQ is, maybe his IQ is somewhat lower, actually. 
And that's uh, why I say these things go up and down. With My God, rating went to 45. No, it didn't. Everybody can't stand that guy. Even his wife can't, but she wanted to be in the White House, you know. Dr. Jill. Dr. Jill, Dr. Jill. So, you see what I mean about Donald Trump? The way they treat him versus Obama or Clinton or Bush. And you see how all their hacks from their administrations come on TV. Yeah, indict Trump. Yeah, yeah. Indict him. What's happening here is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. They fear the man. Letitia James, Tish. Tish James in there. Alabama, New York. She should be uh, disbarred. She should be a defendant. Defendant. For what she's done and how she's gone about it. And I'm not kidding. Then we have the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee who hasn't spent one second investigating how the security failed on January 6th. You realize that? They haven't spent one second investing. How did we fail? What did uh, Eva Eva Pelosi do or not do? No, 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 no. We don't want to know that. No, really? Why? And may I say, how about McConnell? McConnell and Pelosi were in charge of protecting the building. Pelosi turned down the National Guard. What intel did she have? Well, we're never going to know. Unless the Republicans take over and get a hold of her text messages. Wouldn't that be fascinating getting Dizzy Lizzie's text messages and emails and all the rest of the reprobates, malcontents, and miscreants on that committee? I think it would be fantastic. All right, I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381. Anyway, we're going to have a guest on in hour three that I've never had on. Robert Cahaley, you've seen him, chief pollster and founder of the Trafalgar Group, which is the most accurate polling company, him and John McLaughlin, in the country. They're the two best. There's simply no doubt about that. So we're going to have him on, and we're going to ask him some questions about this election. I'm taking a liking to this guy, Joe Kernan, at at CNBC. I don't know him. I've never talked to him. I don't watch a lot of CNBC. Why would I? But he's very good. He's got this White House mouthpiece, Jared Bernstein, on. And this guy, Bernstein, is part of the ESG movement before he moved to the White House. Remember that? That left-wing movement trying to compel private companies to follow the left-wing agenda 
for the largest, I guess it's a hedge fund in the world, on the planet, that controls over $10 trillion in funds. And of course, Joe Biden being for the little guy, this guy works for Joe Biden. This guy used to work for the biggest guy. Anyway, take a listen to this. Cut 14, go. It's been a brutal couple of weeks for the market, obviously. Awful inflation numbers. Now the likelihood of a hard landing, maybe even a global recession, according to some. The student loan forgiveness in the middle of all this, adding hundreds of billions, even a trillion dollars to the demand side. Doesn't that make the Fed's job even more difficult? Your allies, Larry Summers, Jason Furman, both warn that that's a problem. The president once again bowing to the far left. Does that justify you know, increasing demand and making things worse right at this time, Jared? I know you know it's no way you so, can sell this to me with a straight well, face. Wait a second. Uh, let me try the following because um, this is a fact that I, uh, is not reflected in the rap you just gave me. And if you ask, <laughs> and if you ask Jason and Larry about this, I think they'll agree. You should, you should try and find out for yourself. Okay. Um, the thing you left out was restart. That is restarting student loan payments, which of course have been in forbearance uh, since the pandemic began. That begins in January. And if you actually look at the numbers month by month, the amount of restart, even with debt forgiveness, basically offsets the amount wait, wait, wait. of... Let, let, me, let me see if I can understand this. This is the game. You ready? Restart. Let's put this in plain English. We have had a freeze on the requirement that people with student loans pay them because of the virus. You know, everything moved hard left because of the virus. Oh, the virus caused us to do this. The virus caused us to shut the schools. The virus caused us to to shut churches and send the virus. Anyway, this is one of those. And so what he's saying is, well, that's starting up again in January where people actually have to begin paying back the monthly payment on their long-term student loans. You know, the interest is de minimis. And so you're not counting that, you see. You're not counting that against the, the welfare that we're putting in place for the richest among us, up to a trillion dollars. And when you look at that, that offsets it. One has nothing to do with the other. Nothing. Imagine running a business this way. You're giving out a trillion dollars and say, don't worry, we're starting up the payments that they already owe me from the past. And that offsets this. doesn't offset anything. It doesn't offset a thing. You know, Kernan, you're forgetting. Yeah, you're forgetting. Uh, we, uh, people are going to actually have to start paying some of the loan back, which is a relatively minimal interest on it, de minimis, as I said. But, you know, that's going to offset the billion, do- the trillion dollars that we're giving to them. How so? How does one have anything to do with the other? It's a gimmick. It's a stunt. It's the sort of thing that Gavin Newsom would do or some other hack. Trying to balance their state budgets or what have you. So that had to, I, I just play that because they come up with this and he... In particular, this guy Bernstein is is a real reprobate. 
And by the way, while we're on another issue, Chuck Todd will meet the depressed. I'm surprised he's still there. But then again, I'm surprised Joy Reid is still where she is. Chuck Todd, Todd on Meet the Depressed, that has no ratings. Isn't it amazing nobody ever talks about my show's ratings, Mr. Producer? Ever. Talk about the late night guys. and the, What about my ratings? Well, you know, whatever. So anyway, Chuck Todd has the answer to inflation, ladies and gentlemen. He has the answer. Cut 15, go. For the last few weeks, Republican governors have been shipping asylum seekers to more liberal-leaning Democratic enclaves, essentially sending the message that they think migrants are a political problem for Democrats. But in fact, we've got some data that shows you that more migrants could actually help us solve one of the country's most pressing problems. It's called inflation. Let me explain. Look, the net international migration that we've had as a country is actually down at a a near low. We started the decade of the 2010s sitting at about 700,000 annually. We peaked at just over a million in 2016, the year Donald Trump was elected, and it has plummeted as we went through various ways to to try to shut the border down to a meager uh, 247,000. That has huge impacts on our economy and our employment uh, situation. The hell is this fool talking about? Somebody's playing with the numbers and shoved it under a schnoz, and then he, uh, he starts spewing stupid stuff? I'd like to hear, I mean, I have what he said in front of me. I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it. It's the stupidest damn thing. So he's saying, Schmuck Todd is saying, we need more immigrants. I assume by that he means illegal immigrants as well, a.k.a. illegal aliens, in the country because that will reduce inflation. You know, Milton Friedman famously said, and others have stolen from him, but I don't steal from anybody. You can't have a massive welfare state and open borders. And he was very left when it came to immigration, but he understood that you will destroy a nation. It's just not possible to have this massive welfare state and people just pouring over the border. And yet that's that's exactly what we have. And you're paying for all of it. This guy, Gavin Newsom, will not come on the program. He will not come on the program any more than Letitia James will come on the program. But he will not come on this program. We are heard in every corner of California, literally every corner of California. And you would think he'd want to come on and kind of whip my ass debating me and show the people of California just how smart he is. But he won't. I'm not running for anything. I'm just a right-winger, a.k.a. a constitutional conservative. But I have all the stuff that he's been doing in front of me in a big folder. This is from Fox News, Paul Best. California residents can now acquire a state ID, regardless of immigration status, under a law signed by Governor Gavin Newsom on Friday. Now, why did he do this? Because they like fraudulent voting. So when you go out there and say you ought to have an ID, well, now illegal aliens in the state of California will have IDs. 
And who are you to question them? Because once they show you an ID, what else can you ask them? An ID is a picture. It has an address. It's official state government document, if you will. It has to be acknowledged and recognized. Somebody comes to vote and they show you a state ID. You think anybody's going to say, well, can you prove to me that you're a citizen? Nobody's going to do that. They'll be faced with a billion-dollar civil rights lawsuit. They'll be destroyed. This is what Gavin Newsom is doing. So Gavin Newsom's idea of voting is destroying our voting system. How much more extreme can these people get? Now he wants to be president. He wants to export to every community in the country what he's doing in California. There'll be nowhere to escape. He keeps, you know, he's a media whore, this guy. He keeps reaching out, trying to, to, uh, to get into a battle with DeSantis. Battle with DeSantis. How about little old me? I'm not running for anything. We have a big audience here. We're a state of refuge, he says, a majority-minority state where 27% of us are immigrants, Dusan said after signing the legislation. That's why I'm proud to announce the signing of today's bills to further support our immigration community, which makes our state stronger every single day. How do you know? Is everybody coming across the border a future rocket scientist? business person you hate business people anyway Newsom so the citizens of California are leaving in droves like the citizens of New York are leaving in droves droves and so he's really a governor now for illegal immigrants but he's a white guy you know he's he's a very wealthy white guy he's married to a white woman he has white kids He's got uh, the, the greasy hair, a little dabble to him, a lot of dabble to him. Cheated on his first wife. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? With his chief of staff's wife, for God's sakes. So he's a slob and a punk. May I say that with all due respect? So now they're going to hand out state IDs to anyone who's in the state of California, regardless of their citizenship. A law passed in 2013 allows California residents to obtain a driver's license. But the bill that was signed Friday will allow non-driving residents to acquire government-issued ID even if they are not in the United States legally. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how we have a governor undermining our immigration laws, but that's okay? We don't have anybody hollering at him. Isn't what he's doing a lot worse than sending 50 illegal aliens to Matha's Vineyard? Isn't it? Now when you ask somebody to show your ID, you won't be able to tell if they're here legally or not. Does that not trump federal immigration law where we need to know where people are? So here you have this this a-hole. He's banning gasoline vehicles but he's opening doors wide to illegal immigrants and you know it's funny they talk about replacement theory here's a guy who's obviously counting the number of people coming into the country that is to his state i should say 27 percent are not born in the 
in the state of California, in the United States. 27%. Chuck Todd doesn't think that's enough. If you vote Democrat, you are insane. You are absolutely insane. And it doesn't take more than one or two elections for them to destroy the country at this point. It's because the Supreme Court over the decades has done us bad. Has done us bad. By giving power to the federal government that it doesn't have. And not preventing a moron like this from abusing his power. And interceding in what is federal power. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one. Switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Maybe if uh, Newsom wants to go down south and run for president in one of those countries, he can get elected, but... He seems to think the more insanely radical left he becomes, the more attractive he is to, to voters. I can tell him he's not. One day after signing the bill, he traveled to Texas, where he targeted Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for busing and flying migrants to blue cities. And despite California's 2017 ban on official travel to the Lone Star State. Hey, well, you know, he heard there was a good restaurant there. Now, of course, he doesn't, he doesn't contend Biden. See, here's what the framers never anticipated, and you can understand this, that we would actually have politicians within the United States who wanted to destroy the United States, and they keep getting elected. You know what the framers to the Constitution would say? You've lost your virtue, America. You've lost your sanity. Now you're going to lose your country. 22% of California's nearly 11 million immigrants are in the United States illegally. 22%. And he's proud of that. Imagine sitting down and signing a bill that gives driver's licenses to illegal aliens and now gives state identification to any anybody who's in your state, including illegal aliens. And they're going out and attacking two governors who are trying to literally do what the framers would want them to do. Protect their states, protect the sovereignty of their states, and protect the citizenry of their states. Who exactly does Gavin Newsom represent? Who does he represent? Now, we got 62% of the vote last time when he ran for re-election. But that means, truthfully, 4 out of 10 Californians do not support what he's doing. 
but because they can't win an election, they're stuck. And by the way, that's also reason why we don't support democracy. We support republicanism. And that's not the Republican Party. I'm talking about republicanism as a governing methodology. And so this is a big game for Newsom. He knows he'll eventually be out. He's, he wants, you know, he's playing for the broader stage. He knows this is where the, the radical left is. He knows this is where the media are. He knows this is the way to draw attention to himself. But the people of California will suffer, including the morons who vote for him. And here he is. Cut 16. Go. Look, it's clear that DeSantis broke the law. Question is, which law did he break? Did he break the laws of his own state? Did he break federal law? But one thing he did is he broke with precedent. Any precedent. This is is the constant effort by sleazeballs like this guy to criminalize politics, to criminalize the conservative position, and to imprison your opponents. He's a totalitarian. He comes from a one-party state. This is his mindset. He's gotten everything he's wanted, including his former chief of staff's wife. He is a spoiled, rotten punk. He was elected governor of California. Why is he trying to govern Texas and Florida? Why is he trying to put another governor in prison, even though the arguments are so stupidly absurd? And they talk about dehumanization, and they talk about these people being used as pawns. This is what they do. They steal the language. They accuse you of what they do. Newsom not only plays immigrants and illegal immigrants for pawns, he plays the moronic people who vote for him as pawns. I'll be back. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Yes, that be me. All right, it's time to take a little bit of a deep dive, ladies and gentlemen. D-N-Y-U-Z, D-U-N-O-R-C-U-Z. It's a site of some kind. Top state judges make a rare plea in a momentous Supreme Court election case. Don't let your eyes roll over. This is crucial. Top state judges make a rare plea 
in a momentous Supreme Court election case. Oh, what's that all about? Quote, it's the biggest federalism issue in a long time. Chief Justice Nathan Hecht of the Texas Supreme Court said on the phone the other day, maybe ever. He was explaining why the Conference of Chief Justices, a group representing the top state judicial officers in the nation, had decided to file a brief in the U.S. Supreme Court in a politically charged election law case. The brief urged the court to reject a legal theory pressed by Republicans that would give state legislatures extraordinary power. Nicholas Stephanopoulos. I mean, how many Stephanopoulos can there be? A law professor at Harvard said the brief underscores moment, the momentous decision in the case. It's highly unusual for the Conference of Chief Justices to file a meekest brief in the Supreme Court. He said it's even rare for the conference to do so in controversial, ideologically charged case. The Supreme Court adopts the theory. It will radically reshape how federal elections are conducted by giving state lawmakers independent authority, not subject to review by state courts, to set election rules in conflict with state constitutions. Of course, the courts never do that, do they? We have example after example from Florida to Pennsylvania and beyond. The conference's beef, which was nominally filed in support of neither party, urged the Supreme Court to reject that approach, sometimes called the independent state legislative theory. The Constitution, the brief said, does not oust state courts from the traditional role in reviewing election laws under state constitutions. The case Moore versus Harper will be argued in the coming months concerns a congressional voting map drawn by the North Carolina legislature favoring Republicans that was rejected as a partisan gerrymander by the state Supreme Court. Republican lawmakers seeking to restore the legislative map argued that the state court had been powerless to act. Four conservative members of the U.S. Supreme Court have issued opinions indicating that they may be ready to endorse the independent state legislative theory. Professor Stephanopoulos said the conference's decision to raise its voice was telling. He said that the conference is willing to take a stand here highlights how extreme and dangerous the argument of North Carolina legislators is. That argument would undermine the authority of state courts to interpret state law, a bedrock principle of our system of federalism, and one that conservative justices historically championed, not questioned. Let me use Professor Nicholas Stephanopoulos, a law professor at Harvard, of all things, as a foil. Professor Stephanopoulos, where is judicial review in the Constitution? Let's just get to the basics first. It's not in the Constitution. Isn't that why guys like you are so thrilled with Marbury versus Madison? And Chief Justice Marshall, because that case set the precedent for federal judicial review. You can search the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, to your heart's desire till you're blue in the face or anything else, and you will not find judicial review. In fact, when it comes to the judiciary, you will find very little. 
That's the federal constitution. State constitutions have whatever state constitutions have. But we're talking here and now about presidential elections. Now, where do we go to find who's involved in the election of a president and a vice president? Well, first and foremost, we go to the federal constitution. These are federal office holders. Article 2, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives, and so forth. Wow. So the framers of the Constitution didn't say the states which, of course, would have involved the state courts. They certainly didn't say the state courts. They certainly didn't say the state governors. They said the state legislatures. Now, historically, while the Constitution was being debated for ratification or not, the states were very, very concerned that they not be cut out of the election process. And back then, what they meant were the state legislatures. They didn't have all-powerful courts in the states, or certainly the federal government. They had none at the federal level. In any event, so some state legislatures would never, never have agreed to this Constitution if they didn't retain their power particularly over elections. And so we turn to the federal constitution. Now we know the state constitutions cannot trump the federal constitution when it comes to the selection of electors. The state legislature can determine how electors are to be selected. That's what it says. And yes, they must comply with their constitutions. But the state legislatures decide Now, what happened in states like Pennsylvania is the Supreme Court decided, and the governor decided. The Supreme Court decided to change the state's election laws in violation of the state Supreme Court, as well as the federal constitution, violation of the state constitution. So the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, it was a twofer. They violated the state constitution, and they violated the federal constitution, but it Since the U.S. Supreme Court wouldn't take it up under Article 2, and it was pointless to go back to the state Supreme Court since they're the ones, effectively, you're suing, there's nothing you can do. And what the chief justices of the state Supreme Courts are saying is that's fine by them. But that completely destroys the process the procedure that's set forth in the federal constitution for selecting the president and the vice president. So in effect, you have state Supreme Courts selecting the president and the vice president because in many ways, some of these courts know the outcome of what they're doing. That's why they do it, particularly when they're activists and so forth. Now, as for this being a theory, the 
legislature theory. Did I not just read, Mr. Producer, what it says in the Constitution? Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature may thereof may uh, direct. How can that be a theory? It's a theory. No abortion in the Constitution. That's a theory. That's actually a fantasy for some. And so what happens is they apply the same language attack as Marxists and other fields. So they rename stuff. If the Supreme Court adopts the theory that the lawmakers have independent authority, well, the Constitution gives them independent authority. The Constitution doesn't give the courts a damn thing. Even at the state level. But must the legislature comply with their own Constitution? The answer is yes. And what's interesting in the case of Pennsylvania with another case that was sent to the Supreme Court, but also shot down a serious, legitimate case. The plaintiffs in that case raised the question of how the Constitution was not amended when they changed their election laws in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a very strict Constitution and has a very strict process for changing their election laws. You can't just do it by statute. You need to involve the constitutional process. You need to involve the people of Pennsylvania in that constitutional process. It's a three-step process. Because they don't want their constitution changed that easily. And so in steps the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. Rules that the change to the voting laws that were made outside the state constitution are fine. And uh, shot them down again. Shot them down again. So this is nothing extreme unless you think the federal constitution is extreme. And the Democrats are going to yell like hell, and their media are going to yell like hell, because they're trying, to, in advance of the hearing the case, digesting the case, and ruling on the case, they're letting them know that they are going to attack them as a right-wing court doing Republican dirty work. Because the state legislatures, many of them Republican, are trying to push back now on what these state Supreme Courts, governors, boards of election, secretaries of state have done to their election laws. And that's why we have effectively anarchy in so many of these states. We're voting as earlier and earlier and counting as later and later. Then you have a state like California. Hey! They hand out you know, state IDs like you hand out lollipops. Oh, those tiny, itsy-bitsy, Milky Way bars during Halloween, Mr. Producer. You know what I'm talking about. You need like eight of them to satisfy you. So this is how the media lie. D-N-Y-U-Z. This is how the, the, uh, the establishment lie, like the Chief Justice of the Texas Supreme Court in that crowd. And this is how they try to bottle you up, brainwash you, undermine you and take the authority away from the elected representatives of the people in the state legislature and hand it to a handful of lawyers in black robes. And hopefully there will be five justices who say no to this because 
what North Carolina is arguing is a process that's not only in the Constitution specifically, not a theory, but it's a process that has worked well for decade after decade after decade after decade. And the more we become unmoored from the Constitution, the more we become unmoored from the rule of law, the more preposterous this all becomes. I'll be right back. Lovin. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one. Switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. By the way, we have a great third hour coming up. Please don't miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know there was a brutal, horrific hurricane that hit Puerto Rico last week? Did you know there's still three-quarter of a million homes of businesses without electrical power? Out of 3.3 million residents? Did you know that one and a half million customers last week didn't have electricity? Did you know that some people have died? Some people are missing? There's been a lot of damage? How come this isn't being covered like the media usually covered? How come they're not asking Biden why he's putzing around all over the place and not focused on this? How come they're not talking to FEMA? How come they're not talking about they're not turning the electricity on? And by the way, there you go, an electricity-only situation. With all that electricity out, people with gasoline and oil are doing much better, no doubt. But I'm serious. If it's Trump, he's not done well enough. Even if it's Bush, he hasn't done well enough. What are we doing on the mainland here to help our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico? I don't have the foggiest idea. How many have died? How many are missing? How many are hurt? How many have lost their homes? Anybody? Hello? Hello? I know you're covering Biden's ass. His skinny, stupid ass. I know you're covering it up for him. But what about it? And now we have this terrible hurricane bearing down on Florida. And just so you know, America, the focus of the media will be Ron DeSantis. It won't be the people in need. It won't be the people who are harmed. It won't be the people whose properties are harmed. It'll be Ron DeSantis. Because the media is no damn good. Bunch of rat finks and skunks. Bunch of frauds and phonies. So what about my point? Because the media are so corrupt. The media in this country are not a media. They are a propaganda operation. 
Just like we don't have free speech and academic freedom at our university. Just like they're destroying our public school classrooms. It's all of the same. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 one of the great pollsters in America, I would put uh, Robert Cahaley up there and uh, John McLaughlin. Uh, Cahaley's been right so often uh, with the uh, Trafalgar group. He's never been on this program. I've never talked to him other than bumping into him the other day and asking him, you want to come on the show, please? He said, absolutely. So how are you, Robert? I'm doing great, sir. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. All right, let's cut right to the chase, Robert. Yes, sir. Tell me about the midterm election sort of generally right now. We're hearing mixed messages, mixed polls. Uh, the Democrats are holding out hope that it won't be a Republican wave. The Republicans are holding out hope that we take the House, maybe even the Senate. What are you thinking? I, I see nothing but good signs. You know, I, one of the things that really frustrates me is I feel like there's a lot of the kind of establishment, some of the media uh, polling firms, some of the uh, big university polling firms, and, uh, they're trying to impact what people think. I mean, some of these polls are out there, and, and I'm not sure that they're actually doing the job. You know, a poll should reflect the electorate, not be designed to affect the electorate. And, and I worry that the, the uh, latter is what a lot of these, these uh polls are out there trying to do they're trying to create a narrative that just doesn't exist this is an excellent year for republicans that we we have competitive candidates and um i you know i really don't see uh much of what they're talking about and and when we start putting honest numbers out there we see these media pollsters who don't mind being wrong when they're all wrong together but they don't like it when anybody's right and they're starting we're starting to bring a little honesty to them and i, I think they don't want to be embarrassed again, and so you're going to start seeing them acting like a shift has happened. It's not a shift. It's been like this. I see here, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm looking at this most recent poll involving ABC and the Washington Post. 
And they point out that uh, in these competitive races, actually, the Republicans on their polling are doing pretty well. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, it is. And and they this is the first poll from them that even looks like reality. But they match us almost exactly on the uh, generic ballot as well. So uh, that, they've come to us, not the other way around. And what does the generic ballot show? Uh, we've been showing anywhere from a seven uh, to four point Republican advantage for about the last two months. But my question, yeah, my question is, people don't vote generically when they're voting for their congressman or they're voting for their senator. Is that generic ballot? I mean, maybe uh, is is that important? You know, we do it. But I totally agree with you. I mean, it's not like we live in a parliamentary system. And people are casting their votes that way. And really, there are a lot of these, uh, you know, there's only a few competitive districts. And the rest of the districts are drawn to favor Democrats or Republicans. So it, it, I think we're stronger than even in a generic ballot advantage of five. But it, it's just it's kind of one of those things that everybody just accepts. And we all participate in it. But I agree that there are a lot better ways to measure it. And certainly the, the best sense of what's going to happen is, is looking at these competitive states and especially the statewide, which aren't based on any special lines. They're just based on an entire state. Now, what I'm seeing um, is that every single one of these states where they were counting out Republican candidates and Mitch McConnell was trashing them has tightened up. Even even uh, some of the Republican Senate candidates have are bleeding a little bit ahead of the Democrats. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. We we, uh, we see we see Walker emerging uh, ahead in uh, Georgia. We we see uh, Blake Masters closing within a point and a half in Arizona. We see Doctor Oz at just under two uh, down in uh, Pennsylvania. We've never thought J.D. Vance could lose, would lose, or was losing, and we don't. We really think North Carolina is competitive either, and we've got Nevada with Republicans up. Uh, with uh, Laxalt up two polls in a row. And uh, we even had a Washington State with uh, Smiley only behind uh, Patty Murray by a couple of points. So when you see that happening in these states, these uh, battleground states, and you're talking about Washington State, and you're talking about some of these other states, that portends pretty well for Republicans who are not running in those states necessarily and in the House, no? Absolutely. Because most of the districts that they're running in are, are, you know, on the bubble one way or another. And and a lot of these states were, you know, kind of called out for the, you can be definite Democrat state. So I think it's going to be a big, big win in the House, uh, multifaceted along, along a lot. A lot of these races are going to, going to go. And I mean, we could be talking, you know, 20 plus 30 seats for the House. I don't know if you've looked at it, and if you haven't, that's fine. How's Rubio doing in Florida, I wonder? I've been hearing things that it's tight there. You know, we look at the polls that show us tight, and we look at the polls that don't, and we we know how bad the polls are that show it's tight. We don't believe it's tight, and we haven't even polled it because we don't think it's a race. It wouldn't make much sense, would it? Because DeSantis has a pretty healthy lead, and... and uh, Rubio is is a largely inoffensive candidate, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Val Demings is a lot better candidate uh, than a a lot. 
but not this year. I mean, not after Trump just walked all over Biden in Florida and everything Florida's been through. There's no way. All right, a couple more questions while I have it here. We're talking to Robert Cahaley, who's a fantastic pollster and founder of the Trafalgar Group, which has been right and closer than anybody else. Um, let's talk about presidential. Um, it gets a little bit more complicated. We're a long way away, and there's all other factors that go on and so forth. This guy Newsom wants to be president. I'm guessing you haven't even wasted your time polling on this guy yet. Well, I haven't wasted my time polling on him, but I will tell you a theory. I don't think the Democrats can bypass Kamala Harris. I just don't mm-hmm. think they can. There is no way. I mean, this, you know, when you live by identity politics, you can't abandon it just because of convenience or just Good to win point. an election. There is no way they could bypass her when it's quote unquote her turn without taking a hit that would devastate them with a sick, very strong segment that they have depended on for votes that have been their most loyal voters. They'd be better off losing a presidential election than losing that set of voters for the next 10 years. But maybe they would find somebody of the same identity, although I don't know who that would be. Exactly. So is is there a place where Republicans should be doing better, but they aren't that you can think of off the top of your head? What we certainly like, yeah. I mean, what we certainly like to see is North Carolina is North Carolina has just been close for a long time, mm-hmm. and and you know, last time we kind of had a split decision with the governor going one way and the lieutenant governor, U.S. Senate, and uh, the president going another way. And there's definitely some work that could be done in North Carolina. Because uh, really, North Carolina should not be a two-point state. It should not be an R plus two um, year in year out. It, it, it could do better than that. Pennsylvania is a tough state. I'm from Pennsylvania. It's got all different types of regions and geography and people and so forth and so on. But it's not a big pro-abortion state. There may be parts of it at Philly and outside Philly, but it never has been. It's a big death penalty state. In other words, there is a conservative strain in that state. Um, and uh, that's why I feel, <coughs> excuse me, I feel Dr. Oz has a real shot there. One thing's for sure, what happened yesterday or last night in Philadelphia is not what John Fetterman needed. What happened at Huawei is another reason people are going to be going, Huawei is another people reason people are going to be going you know what Fetterman and your politics is all going to work and what we saw there was another basically uh, a group of teenagers going into a Wawa and absolutely destroying it and stealing things from there and and uh, just just another episode like that and of course Fetterman is soft on crime he thinks uh, one third of all prisoners should be released and all the rest of it is that what you're talking about Exactly. And it's just it it is a lawless that there is no no penalty for for behavior that nobody is, quote unquote, minding the store. And it just it 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 makes even people who are swing voters who might have voted for Biden say enough is enough. 
Do you think there's going to be potentially a big fraud factor here, or do you think the Republicans will do well enough that in most cases they could overcome such a thing? Well, I would never predict no fraud in Pennsylvania. I'll put Mm -hmm. it that way. How about these other states? I mean, do you think the Republicans will outdo it? I I think that most of the states, the the margins look pretty good. Uh, I would say you probably need to win Nevada by three. Nevada by three. How about Arizona? We haven't talked much about that state. Carrie Lake? Carrie Lake is a fantastic candidate, and she is going to uh, she is going to be very helpful uh, to Blake Masters because we have her up. You know, she was the anchor for 20 years at, at the big station, and there's just something about when people grow up with the same person on TV, and, and there's just a level of trust, especially in this new environment where People look at their local with a great more trust than they look at uh, national uh, media. And just the, the trust that she's got there, we see her with strong uh, personality traits among Democrats as well as Republicans. And I think her, her leading the ticket, her being three or four points ahead, will help Masters get, get across the line. You know, the Democrats are hoping January 6th will make a difference. They're hoping that. It's not just abortion, but abortion on demand will make a difference. Do you see those trumping, I mean, inflation and the availability and cost of food and massive crime waves all across the country and open borders and fentanyl? Do you think people are foolish enough to be, you know, fooled by that? Well, they're trying to make the case that they're defending, you know, defending all any abortion, I mean, any uh, folks having access to abortion, but the fact is, there's not a lot of people who are voting on that issue, and most of the ones voting on that issue were already voting for that side. And, and for all the people they 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 might have gotten based on that issue, this is a party that used to be for abortion being safe, legal, and rare. And moving away from that position has cost them in the black and Hispanic community in a way that I don't think they completely understand yet. How about the suburbs? They're counting on suburban women who the Republicans out there, they view as moderate Republicans and are very offended by this. You think those same women who go into the grocery store and have to drive the car (laughs) and see the crime, you think that's going to persuade them? I I think you're right. I think I think this crime and and safety uh, is is certainly uh, it is part of what these issues and, and some of what these women saw with lawlessness in 2020 is what made Trump more competitive with them that he had been in the past in, in 2016. And he did better among that suburban women group. And now absolutely there's just, there's nothing the Democrats stand for that is that they care about more than their family's safety and their own safety in in those situations. And they are the ones who are going to the convenience store late at night to grab something for the family. They are the ones who are out at the grocery store, at at the gas station. They know the risk that they're running and for things that just didn't seem to be, you know, a brave thing to do uh, just a few years ago. You sound pretty optimistic about this election. The more I see, every time we we get some results in, uh, the more optimistic I get. I just I know how hard the other side is working to change the narrative 
and their willingness to, to frankly, cook polls to do their job. And, and that's why I think it's really important that we put keep putting honest numbers out there because somebody's got to keep that narrative out there. And when somebody's putting the real numbers out, they feel pressure. They feel pressure to put the real stuff out too. And I think you'll see even these way out of whack firms and uh, outlets start to get closer. We saw it happen in Virginia. We kept real numbers out there, and as we got close to the election, they got down to reality when these were saying crazy polls were saying, you know, uh, they were going to, the Democrats were going to win Virginia by 10 points a few months out. And I feel like the end, was a last-minute swing, which yeah. it was not. But in the end, if we don't get out in big numbers and vote, none of this matters, right? That's right. And that's, and that's the goal of all these quote-unquote suppression polls is to take away Republicans' confidence. And they should be confident, but they need to vote. All right, my friend. If people want to find out more about your group, where do they go? You can go to our website, thetrafalgagroup.org or trafalgagroup.com or uh, Robert uh, Cahaley, or Twitter is at sign Robert Cahaley or at uh, Trafalgar underscore group on Twitter. My God, you got more platforms than I do. Well, Robert, I want to thank you. Keep up the good work. My fingers are crossed. God bless you, my friend. Yes, sir. It's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you. My pleasure, and we much appreciate you. I'll be right back. Lovin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. All right, America. I want to lay the foundation. For an audio clip we're going to play after the bottom of the hour. You may not know this either, just like you didn't know what Biden had done for the people of Puerto Rico, because apparently the media do not care about it on the mainland here. But you may not know that the people of Iran are rising up against their Islamo-Nazi government, and they're paying with their lives. You see, in our country, when we have riots like 2020... It's a walk in the park compared to what goes on in countries like Iran. Of course, they're rounding up people left and right on January 6th. 
but you can't remember what happened in the summer, the summer of 2020. Not when you vote, period. What's happening in Iran is a horrific disgrace. There was a woman there, a young woman, who apparently didn't have her head covered properly, a Kurdish-Iranian woman. Her name was Masa Amini. And uh, so the, the morality police took her into custody uh, while she was in the wagon some witnesses already saw them beating her for wearing a hijab improperly. And then the police claimed that she died of a heart attack. They murdered her. They beat her to death. There are protests spreading up to 80 cities. There's widespread outrage over this. This happens every few years in Iran, and the United States fails to respond properly, whether it's Obama or now Biden. Biden has said almost nothing. He's going ahead with his nuke deal. He's going ahead with a deal that will leave billions of dollars in the hands of this regime. Now, I'll be right back to continue on this. When Mark Levin speaks, the backbenchers take notes. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Many of you parents out there having to deal with these corrupt school boards and administrators and superintendents. Um, You don't really have alternatives, maybe because you can't afford them, or you can't take time off from work, or whatever the reason is. This is the perfect site for you. LevinforHillsdale.com All kinds of information, courses, and so forth and so on. Those of you with Thanksgiving coming up, you're going to be sitting at the table. You're saying, all right, my kid's gone to XYZ University. Something's happened to him. Something's happened to her. Now's the time to bone up a little bit. It's all free. It's all free. Go to LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Or if you're just curious, you can do it too. Many of you have gone, but many of you have not. It's very simple. You can do it right on your handheld device, right on your laptop, however you want to do it. It's Levin, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, Mr. Producer, I talked about what's going on in Iran right now. Uh, The butchers of Iran, as National Review calls them, and National Review is correct. And they are just rounding up people. They slaughter people. This is what they do. They create these phony tribunals, and they murder people. And the current president of uh, the Islamo-Nazi regime, his name is Ibrahim Raisi. Do you know he was known as the biggest butcher of human beings in Iran? He's the biggest. And so this guy, this guy with his executions with these phony trials, no due process, their torture rooms, their rape rooms, some religious country, huh? He's now the president. And we are about to cut a deal with this regime, an unconstitutional deal that must go through the treaty process. And Congress isn't even consulted, which will wind up putting hundreds of billions of dollars, up to $1.2 trillion into the pockets of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. So they can finish building their nuclear weapons, 
and slaughtering their own people. And of course, they've put out hits on various individuals in our country, including Mike Pompeo, among others. It's sickening. So our buddy Mike Lee, he doesn't know he's our buddy, but we love the guy, from the Associated Depress. He's been at the State Department forever. He's confronting the, the mouthpiece for the clown Blinken over there at the State Department. What's his name? Ned Price, Mr. Producer? And uh, I want you to listen to this. These are three separate clips combined. Hat tip, Melech. Go ahead. But Ned, I think the point is, is that if you if you go ahead and get a deal, you're going to be giving, Iran is going to be getting hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, in both sanctions relief plus oil revenue. It's not like they're going to be using that money to plant flowers around, you know, downtown Tehran. They're... Some of that money is going to be go, go to further repress the, the Iranian people, the kind of things that you're seeing right now. So I guess the question is, or, or another way to phrase that question, is are you okay with that? Are you okay with giving them that massive amount of sanctions relief and allowing them to sell their oil on the open market uh, when you know that some of that money is going to be used to commit human rights abuses? Uh, two things, Matt. If and this is a big if right now, if there is a mutual return to compliance with the JCPOA, it would remove what would be the most dangerous elements of an Iranian regime. You keep saying if, but you also at the same time say that you still believe it is in the U.S. national interest to, as of, to, get, to get a deal as of today. As, right? as, as of right so now. That, that suggests that the administration is okay with getting a deal, even if it gives them billions, potentially, of billions of dollars that they can use to further repress their own people. Uh, So the first point was uh, the big if associated with the mutual return to compliance, but we remain committed, and President Biden has personally made a commitment that Iran uh, will never possess a nuclear weapon. We continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve that if uh, we find ourselves in a position to return to uh, the JCPOA, that does not remove from our arsenal a single tool uh, when it comes to holding Iran accountable for the types of things that we're talking about now. So, so you're suggesting that there deal. could be a net zero for Iran if they go, if, if you agree to a deal that you would give them this relief and then take it all back again we're, under the... Under we're, the we're, we're talking about a, a hypothetical, we're talking about a hypothetical that is under the umbrella of another right? hypothetical. So I'm, I'm, I'm loath to well, continue... But it just seems seems like you're you're willing to make that trade-off, that you're willing to give in exchange for a deal, which may or may not work for however long it would last for. But in exchange for that, you're willing to give them all this money, which you know they will use at least some of, to further repress these people, to further support, uh, you know, uh, their proxies in Yemen and Syria and, and and elsewhere. That's correct. Uh, Matt, what is correct is that we have a commitment that Iran will never be in a position to acquire a nuclear weapon. Just listen to this insanity. This guy, Lee, at AP, keeps pressing him. First of all, are you comfortable giving this kind of money to this regime? Given that their people are fighting for their own lives and their own freedom. No answer. 
Are you willing to give this regime this kind of money, knowing that it'll be used for terrorism, nuclear weapons, and the like? Well, we're not going to allow them to get a nuke. Then he follows up and he says, but by then you will have given them the money or you would have taken the brakes off of the sanctions and they already will have the money. Well, I'm not answering hypotheticals. Now, this is the spokesperson for the Secretary of State. If he can't answer these questions rationally, then there aren't good answers, folks. Then there aren't good answers. Now, people who are still on the fence on how they're going to vote in November better be paying attention to all this stuff. You saw what this fool did in Afghanistan. There's still American citizens in Afghanistan. I don't know if they're alive. There's still allies who helped us. I don't know if they're alive. Nobody talks about them. But this is just one of, of so many issues related to the, you know, Biden is not just incompetent. You know, people say, well, everybody doesn't know if it's Wednesday. He's dangerous. He's a very, very dangerous man. Once Iran gets nukes, there's no reversing their technological knowledge. Period. There's no question about that. This is a very, very dangerous man. He's also extremely stubborn in his stupidity. He sees the price of fuel. He knows what's going on with fuel. And yet, he keeps praising himself for sabotaging our energy industry. He's sabotaging our energy industry, and he's praising himself for it. We're not doing it fast enough. We're not doing it comprehensively enough. And what he's proposing doesn't make any sense. We cannot make these batteries for these vehicles on our own. We need material that China controls. That China controls. How asinine is that? We don't have an electrical grid that can handle what they're even proposing, let alone trying to start to put in place. And the impracticability of all of it. It's just crazy. I don't care how many electrical, what do they call them, pumps or whatever, they put charging stations they put out there. They're not all going to work. There's going to be, you know, a lot of theft, a lot of damage done by the usual hoodlums. So you're driving in Kansas. You're out of luck. You're driving in Wyoming. You're out of luck. You're driving in Montana. You're out of luck. You're driving in Alaska. You're out of luck. You're driving in many parts of the country. You're out of luck. And what about the vehicles for which they haven't even figured out how to build batteries yet? 18 wheelers that have heavy loads. Well, they can use diesel, Mark, but not if you're outlawing it. Not if it's not being produced refined, the price will go through the roof given the limited supply. None of this makes sense. We've turned this over to ideologues. Let me fix that. We haven't turned it over to ideologues. They've grabbed this power from us. In one administration, in 20, 21 months, 
So people that say, what can we do about it? We have got to put the brakes on this before we're over the cliff. Before we are over the cliff. They keep grabbing more power, grabbing more authority, grabbing bigger and bigger chunks of the private sector. They are regressing. We are a degrowth economy. Negative growth, they call it. A degrowth economy. They can't even figure out how to get baby formula on the shelves, let alone tampons on the shelves. And we're going to hand over everything to them? That's the decision you have to make in November. And I know those of you listening to me, 99% know it. But every family member doesn't know it. Every friend doesn't know it. Every coworker doesn't know it. Every neighbor doesn't know it. You have got to get out there. You've got to make a difference this election. First of all, go ahead and vote early. If the rules are in place to vote early, even though I oppose them, take advantage of them, exploit them. Or you can wait till election day, but just just do it. And number two, Take responsibility for others voting. You have your cell phone. Most of you are on your iPhones, your Android, your Samsung, all day long, constantly. Well, make good use of it. Don't wait for Republican precinct workers or Republicans to come. It, it, screw, it's not even their job. It's our job as citizens. It's our job as citizens. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, Chris Wallace was on with the retired Justice Stephen Breyer. And let's take a listen. Cut 18, go. You like to quote Alexander Hamilton, who said that the court does not have purse like Congress, does not have the sword like the executive, that it it depends on public acceptance for its authority. You talked earlier about public opinion. Right. Look at the Gallup poll, which has measured approval of the court since the year 2000. In July, the month after Dobbs, 43% approved of the way the Supreme Court does its job, while 55% disapproved. That's the most negative margin in the history of the court, worse than right after Bush v. Gore. You talk about social harmony, but when the court undoes a right that people have lived with, for half a century, doesn't that very much shake? I'm not even interested in the answer. I played that for the question. This is why the media are corrupt. This is why they do a grave disservice to the nation. And this is why they get stupid people like Chris Wallace to do these jobs. Predictably stupid. The purpose of the Supreme Court is not to follow the polls. The purpose of the Supreme Court is not to rule in ways in which necessarily the majority like. Or there would be a lot of things in place in this country that are problematic. That's why the court's not elected and other bodies are. So that is a complete misunderstanding of the court and a twisting of that quote to accomplish his ends, that is, Chris Wallace's ends. That's number one. 
says you talk about social harmony. But when the court undoes a right that people have lived with for half a century, undoes a right is the language that's used by the Democrat Party and the most radical elements of the anti-life types. Undoes a right? A right? But it's not a right that the court has the power to confer. Anybody who wants an abortion in this country can get it. You know how I know, Mr. Producer? Where are all the stories in the media about all the women who can't get abortions? Where are they? Where are the stories about the thousands and thousands of women who can't get abortions? But that said, abortion. Notice Wallace doesn't talk about partial birth abortion at the very end because they can't and they won't because it's indefensible. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the men and women fighting for freedom. 